Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church located in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you will hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a message from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. All right, well, good morning. It's great to see you. Welcome to those watching and worshiping online. We're beginning a brand new series today. Be in uh, this series for a couple months until Easter. And uh, we're talking about being battle ready. Now, last week, just want to pause before I get to the note sheet. I'll get there in a minute. Uh, we had Darth Lee with us, missionary to Cambodia. Uh, if you were here with us, I know he ministered, uh, him and his wife sharing with us. Well, he shared, but maybe you got to talk to her as well in the lobby. And I just want to give you a report. Thanks so much for your generosity uh, throughout the week. Many people continuing to give. But last week on Sunday, we gave over $11,000 to the work of the Lord there in Cambodia. And uh, so thanks for that. Want to make you aware, uh, many have gotten our Kingdom Builders books. They're actually in the lobby again today. If you were with us in November, you got these. We want every family to have one because these are prayer opportunities. There's explanations of the different uh, trips that we're going on. Some of the missionaries, I think it's less than half that we support, but uh, those opportunities to pray because we're not able to have all the missionaries that we support come in for a time. So we want to support the work of the Lord uh, that with those that are able to come and share, but then also as we just give to Kingdom Builders in general, the mission serve team's able to then help say yes to those other missionaries, projects, partners around the world that we don't necessarily have time on a Sunday morning for. So if you didn't get one of those books, these books in November, please get them in the lobby today by the black walls out there. There's mission serve team members that'd be happy to answer any questions for you. Um, one of the things that you see in the book, not only is like, you know, the annual goal for the year of, of 500,000, a different trip every month. We just had our first trip last week. Pastor Dan led that team working with Ukrainian refugees. We heard a little bit from them on Wednesday night. We'll get a big report from them, I think, in a couple of weeks. Um, but we believe that none of it happens across the street or around the world. None of it happens without prayer first. And so even as Darth was sharing last week, uh, we want to give you opportunity. There's a QR code on the back of your note sheet, as well as I think they're going to have a slide for it, for something that's called Change the Map. And so if you'd like to become a prayer partner for those who are part of the Buddhist and Hindu world, uh, we're seeking to join in to have 2,500 prayer partners in Minnesota, 50,000 across our nation that are going to pray for the work of the Lord, uh, are these parts of the world that are Buddhist and Hindu dominated. And so um, you can sign up for that. You'll get one email a week with three prayer focuses. And so if you would say, if you're like, I don't have time to pray for anybody else, don't sign up for it. But if you're like, the Lord might be able to use my prayer if I'm driving, I'll keep my eyes open. But if I'm at home, maybe I'll close my eyes. I don't know but don't mix those two things up. Some of you get that later, driving home. We, we want you to pray. And so you can sign up for that. They'll give you that email every week so you can be part of that. And it's on your note sheet as well, like I said, along with that. We're, we're just seeing God do so much. And so we're gonna keep praying uh, every week for our missionaries, different projects and opportunities. We're, we're asking the Holy Spirit, be active in those countries around the world because there's still 42% of the world waiting to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ for the first time. You had the opportunity, some people have come to first service today and second service, so they get to hear about Jesus a lot 
42% of the world, Dave's one of them, right? 42% of the world waiting to hear about Jesus for the first time. So we're gonna pray and be part of that. As we're seeing so many things continue to happen, uh, we're making a little bit of an addition uh, on our staffing. And so Pastor Vicente has been leading, is still leading Celebration Espanol, all of our prayer efforts. Next week, we're gonna talk a little bit more about some multiplication in that area with prayer counseling and deliverance, but also our global missions efforts. And so as we've continued to meet with more missionaries, have more teams, going around the world, more things going on. Uh, Pastor Vicente was like, I think I'm going to die. And we don't want him to die. And so uh, over the last few weeks, he's been working and we're in the process of shifting World Missions leadership, uh, Kingdom Builders in that regard, from Pastor Vicente to Pastor Josiah. So you can still ask Pastor Vicente any amount of questions, but we're already planning trips and partners and projects for 2025. I know some of you are thinking it's already the first week of February 2024, but there's a lot of work to be done for next year. And so you can still ask either of them any amount of questions. Just be prepared in the next little bit. You might ask Pastor Vicente a question about kingdom builders, missions, cultural trips, and he might say, I don't know. And you're like, what? He'll say, just ask Pastor Josiah. So it's going to be awesome. And we're thankful for that. Next week, we'll talk about a few other things, addition to staff, different things with prayer. It's going to be great. Uh, Next week, I'll also mention uh, some Heart for the House things as we've seen just really explosive growth in our kids and youth ministry. For us, Kingdom Builders that you see here in the book is 100% mission. So that we we don't use that to, you know, like pay my salary or remodel the building. None of those things. It's 100% missions. So when it comes time to remodel things, in the building or some things with our next gen ministry, family life, we say here, uh, you'll see that next week. We call that heart for the house. So we're going to talk about that. Some of those, uh, bathrooms and things. I don't know. Every week there's more and more kids coming in all those departments. And so pastor Ryan, pastor Josh, they're going for it. And uh, we're just going to do our best to make it possible for them. Amen. All right. So you can get that next week. All right. If you have a Bible, you could turn to Ephesians chapter six. If not, as Pastor Lewis mentioned, we do have a really big one digitally available for you. If you're able, would you stand to your feet? We're going to read God's word together. Uh, I've titled this morning's message, Strong Enough to Stand. Tragically, there are many believers, probably not in this service, but maybe that came to the early service that are not strong enough spiritually to stand in these times. But you've got a pastor who loves you, cares about you, wants the best for you. And I'm gonna do my best over these next two months and to make you strong enough to stand, strong enough in the Lord. This isn't in our own strength, not in our own power, but strong in the Lord. Can I get a good amen? And so I'm gonna teach for a while. I'm not gonna lie to you. First service went right up to the start of this one, but Connect Lunch doesn't start till 1230. So I feel like I've got an hour before some of you need to leave and I'll get to the Connect Lunch when I get there. Uh, But I'm gonna teach a little bit. I get a little excited at some points in the message. We'll call that preaching. I yell a little bit louder. And then we're gonna pray. I'm gonna call the pastors and prayer partners forward. We've been praying and fasting, believing for these moments that you would be endued with his power so that you're strong enough to stand. Amen? All right, Ephesians chapter six. We're gonna be focused here for the next two months on these same verses. Today, we're just focusing in on verses 10 and 11, but I wanna read the whole passage to you. We're talking about the armor of God. Really, we're talking about spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 and following. The Bible says it this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. Now, can you tell why we're preaching on strong enough to stand? Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Come on, not just some of them, but all of those flaming arrows of the evil one. Take also the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Friends, we can't afford to have weak and wimpy Christians in these days. So we need to be strong enough to stand. Let's pray and we'll get to that note sheet. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we've been given because of the finished work of Jesus Christ to come into your presence with boldness and ask. We believe we're gonna receive grace and and find help in our time of need. So Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Help nobody leave the same, but may we all leave endued with power from on high. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'll warn you, I'll get to that note sheet eventually, but I got a few pages before (laughs) I do get there. I might say something you want to write down before that. It just won't be a fill in the blank. I'm not sure who said it first, but it bears repeating this morning. Never declare peace in times of war. Make no mistake about it, friends, we are at war. No, I'm not talking about Ukraine or an upcoming political election. I'm not talking about the southern border or lack thereof or any other earthly conflict that is threatening our existence as Christian Americans. Next week, I'll talk more about it, but as we begin a series, how we begin, I think, sets the course for where we're going. Let me emphatically remind you that there is a bigger war taking place than what we see with our eyes. It's the spiritual war taking place in the heavenlies. And because we are at war, I feel urgently compelled to make sure our church is battle ready. God has been doing miraculous things before our eyes, and we're asking him for even more in 2024. But that also means we should expect more opposition also from the enemy in this time. Webster's Dictionary defines a war as this way, the state of hostility, conflict, or antagonism, which causes a struggle or competition between two opposing forces. Now, many of us feel like prisoners of the moment, and I've only circled the sun for the past four decades, so I still got one more to go before I can come to the chili feed. (laughs) But it feels like now more than ever, at least in my lifetime, that we're living in a state of hostility and conflict with constant struggle between opposing forces. Now, you may be wondering, yes, I do in fact mean a physical in a physical way or tangible sense here in our state and nation. 
But I mean in an even greater way, I mean it in a spiritual sense here in our state and in our nation. And I recognize this book of the Bible, this letter that we call Ephesians was not written to Celebration Church, but it was written for us today. Let me give you some background, some historical context as we're going to be in this chapter, this portion of scripture for the next two months. In case you, you didn't grow up in church or you didn't memorize all the historical facts, I went to Bible college. Let me prove it. Also, Google's available if you'd like to read these things too, but... The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus. We now call it Ephesians, right? But Paul was not always Paul. He was not always a good dude. He was not always a man of God writing half the New Testament. Before he met Jesus, Paul was Saul. He was a religious man trained in all the greatest ways, but he was basically one bad dude. He hated Christians. He spent his life persecuting them and trying to snuff out their witness. But then one day, Saul met Jesus. Oh, come on, aren't you thankful that we've had a one day as well? You see, you weren't always the one that got to film a testimony video on the church screen. You weren't always the one that was part of a serve team. You weren't always the one that had it all going on. There was a day when all of us, if not for the grace of God, were on our way living apart from his ways and his plans, and we were on our way that leads to death. But then one day, Jesus came to each of us. Come on, one day on the road to Damascus, Jesus showed up to Saul and he changed his life completely in one moment. Come on, we still believe in one moment people's lives can be changed. This is why we're praying for the advancement of the kingdom of God. This is why we're praying for those in the Buddhist and Hindu world, not because they've got it all figured out, not because we've got it all figured out, but because in one moment he can change their life just like he changed ours. Paul, having met Jesus, Saul became Paul, was transformed by the power of God. He was made new. We say along with it, a doth again. God do it again with the same power and authority. What you did for Saul, making him Paul. What you did for me and what he did for you. We're believing he's gonna do it for our neighbors. We're believing he's gonna do it for our coworkers. We're believing he's gonna do it for our sons and our daughters. We're believing he's gonna do it for our enemies. Come on, we can be changed in just one moment in the presence of God. Aren't you thankful you're not who you used to be? We were dead to our sin. We, we crucified our flesh, we, but we've now been made alive in Christ. Saul, now Paul, meets Jesus. This is the introduction. I'll get excited on point three. I, this is, I'm trying to just teach for a minute about historical context. Some of you are like, that's not excited yet. I've never seen a preacher get that excited. You ain't seen nothing yet. All right. Paul was transformed, empowered by the Holy Spirit, became one of the most influential leaders in our Christian faith. He wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus that we now call Ephesians. That church in Ephesus was an awesome church. It was a thriving church. The city was booming and the church was growing. I'm praying that those would be descriptors of our church here today, that God would do things in our church and in our city that they would take note and it would change the way people are living. Later on, we read in Revelation chapter two that the church in Ephesus was known for its hard work and perseverance. It might've been Lutheran. <laughs> 
I don't know. I give Lutherans a hard time because y'all are quiet and I don't know what you're thinking. But here's one thing I know. Lutherans, upper Midwest Norwegian background people, you work hard and you persevere. You're not scared by winter. Goes on to say the church in Ephesus was not only known for its hard work and perseverance, they didn't tolerate wicked people. We got a little bit of room to grow in that in Minnesota right now. They tested people's claims of spiritual authority and evaluated them biblically. But how many people know you got to know what the word says if you're going to use the word to evaluate what somebody else says? (laughs) It's a whole nother problem. We'll get to that. Bible says they endured hardships for the name of Christ and they did not give up. But we read in Revelation chapter number two that they abandoned their first love. A danger and propensity for those of us who've walked with the Lord for a while for our devotion to drift into duty. To forget what we were like without him. We begin to think we didn't really need his help all that much. That's when our devotion will slip into duty and we just go through religious routine. They forgot why they were serving Christ at all and his love for them. So it's to this church in Ephesus that Paul writes, and throughout this book, I've taught through the book of Ephesians. You can find it online somewhere, but Paul gave different instructions about a lot of different things within the life and in the church. The series was called Building the Church. Um, Just the chapter before, Paul's talking about husbands and wives and children. He's given all these family instructions, but then Paul makes a plea of utmost importance, and he says quite simply, finally, He's drawing in their attention. He's drawing in our attention. Listen, what he had to say about husbands and wives and children, it's important. Even though we're living in a time where people want to say, he can't talk to me, that's an old book, old guy. We, they don't. I'm, he says, that's all important, but even more so, let me just say, finally, Paul says, let me talk to you about spiritual warfare. That's what he says, Right? Finally, verse 10, be strong in the Lord. Spoiler alert, that's going to be the fourth point because he said finally, so I'm doing what he says and I'm making it the final point. And in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God. We got too many Christians that are missing a few elements. (laughs) Not standing shoulder to shoulder. Anyway, I'm going to teach that whole thing for two months. So that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. So today I want to talk to you about three of the primary schemes of the devil. But I want to mention before we get to that, that not every hardship we experience is the devil. Right? The devil is just one created being who fell from heaven after thinking he was worthy of the worship that God was receiving. The devil also only has a limited number of demons scurrying around carrying out their evil plans. Now he is real, but he's not to be blamed for everything. Let me give you a couple examples. If you're anything like the first service, you won't like either one, but I don't care. Because I care about you, I don't care that you don't like him. For instance, it wasn't the devil that made you gain weight, it was McDonald's. That's what I'm just saying. You can take that any other way you want. It's not fat shaming. I'm just saying that's, you got to make choices. 
Let me just give another one. So I mean, like, move on. Pastor. Okay, here's another one. It wasn't the devil that made you go broke. It was your frivolous spending on fleeting pleasures. Oh, this is going to be a fun series. If you're not ready for this, I'm just telling you right now. I don't know if steel-toed boots are in, in session, when season, whatever it is, wear them. Because we got to quit blaming the devil for all of our bad choices. I'm going to show you the devil's schemes. We're going to highlight them. We're going to identify them. We're going to mark it and then move on. But I'm just saying not everything is him. There's plenty of stuff that is. But we got to own up to some of our own stuff. <laughs> all right? The devil's real, his demons are active, but we are engaged in spiritual warfare. You might say, well, pastor, I don't want to be. Too bad. Spiritual warfare is happening. We just want to know, will you help us win <laughs> what's going on? Are you going to be part of what God is doing? You're part of it. You recognize it. When, when stuff that used to be easy is now such a struggle, there was a time in your life where getting up early, reading the word and praying, you were just fired up and now you just want to hit the snooze button. Somebody like, no, not me. Think back to when you had little kids. There's never a time of more spiritual warfare than Sunday morning trying to get them up, dressed in the minivan and into church, looking like you're still saved. This is why my entire life, in fact, I watched this in my parents' life. I have never, my mom and dad have never driven to church in the same car. To this day, I don't think Dana and I have ever driven to church in the same car. Why? I had to be sanctified. I had to bring a word from the Lord to the people. I cannot be trapped in a minivan with three unsanctified kids <laughs> fighting about who's buying the donut. So I drive separate. And that's why I do the preaching and she just gives the amen. Because if she had to preach after that, you all would really need steel toe boots and two pair underwear. Come on, for that verbal tongue lashing that was just, you know what's up, why? Because the devil doesn't want your family to come to church and be built up spiritually. They fight about the dumbest stuff. And it gets on your last nerve. Why, because it's spiritual warfare. I really mean it, he's not going, oh, that's awesome. You're getting up, you're gonna go serve and go to church, woo-hoo, come on. Hell is not throwing a party when you're stepping out in faith. I'm trying, but I'm only on page two. <laughs> I gotta fill in some blanks, what time, 11.46, all right. Uh, let's just, you know what, I'll just go to the note sheet. Number one. I'm just skipping a page, Diane, but you'll read it tomorrow. That'll be fine. That'll, it's no problem. Number one, talk about the devil's schemes. We've got to stand against deception. Deception's where it all begins, but of course it never ends there. Right? We can look back in scripture. This is the oldest scheme of the enemy. It's deception. Think back to the Garden of Eden. If you don't have it memorized, I'll help you. Genesis chapter three, verse one. The Bible says that the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, notice this scheme, tale as old as time, did God really say? He's not even disagreeing with the word of God. He's just deceiving us into thinking, I'm not really sure that God even said that. Do, do we see that in our day today? Did God really say? It, now, let me just mention, 
the, the scheme of deception is also really the, the way that the devil himself fell. He deceived himself into thinking he was the one who was worthy of worship. He was heaven's worship leader. And all of a sudden he began to think, hey, all these songs that we're singing about him, if I'm the worship leader, maybe they should be sung about me. So of course, his primary scheme is the very thing that he fell trapped to. So don't be surprised when he offers you and I deception as well. And we've got to begin to take a stand against deception. Many people have fallen for deception thinking there is no devil. Right? One movie said the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world he didn't exist. So now we have believers, yes, I said believers, who are blind to the reality of the widespread deception in our land. We've just fallen into the trap, the oldest scheme in the book, deception. Now friends, I hope you know this, but I just need to remind you just for, you know, clarity's sake, we know the devil's real and we know he doesn't look the way Hollywood has portrayed him, right? Like, I promise you, he's not some dude in red spandex with a pitchfork, right? That, that'd be so easy. We'd all see him and recognize. We watch it in a cartoon. We watch a movie, we're like, how's anybody falling for that? Because it's not how he looks. <laughs> it's deception, He is deceptive and therefore his scheme is always deceptive. Paul gives us this explanation. He wrote a letter to the church in Corinth and in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and uh, verse 14, he says this way, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. We know in scripture he doesn't wear red spandex. (laughs) He looks good, but hear me friends, he is never good. This is a lesson that we need to learn, right? In in any area of our life, just because it looks good, just because it sounds good, doesn't mean it is good. (laughs) We see this all over our society today. Deception's at an all-time high. Some of you might be thinking, well, Pastor, I don't know what you mean. Where where are we being deceived? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Here's some deception that people are believing today being deceived into thinking that there are more than two genders. They're being deceived into thinking that a fetus is not a life, it's just a clump of cells. They're being deceived into thinking no one will find out. Which perpetuates the sinful cycle committed under the guise of secrecy. They're being deceived into thinking they were just an accident or a mistake, which means they've got no plan or purpose for their life, which makes other people say that that life is not worthy of being cared for or valued in any way. Deception, all time high in our land. Even the way we use words and and language is being used today frames things in deceptive ways. Let me... Let me ask if you've heard any of these phrases. If you love me, you will. If you love your neighbor, you must. If you're a Christian, you cannot. If you care about me, you won't. 
Those phrases might be well-intentioned, but hear me, friends, they are so often being used to demand compliance regardless of truth. And whenever you allow the enemy to frame the conversation to pick your only choices, you'll always end up losing because he never offers good things to you. More on point three when I get there, but I'm telling you, friends, don't fall for the trap of deception. And the main way that you and I can stand against the scheme of deception is to know the truth, the capital T, truth. Jesus said it this way in John chapter eight and 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But it seems like biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high, which means our Bible knowledge is at an all-time low, which means we don't know the truth. So we run to what sounds good. And we jog over to what makes us feel nice. Because we don't know what is actually true. Deception. So to stand against deception, we've got to know the truth and then speak the truth in love. What, what, what do I mean? Okay, you've got to look into the Bible and then look through the Bible. What I mean is, you've got to open the word to know really who Jesus is and his plans for our life and the way in which we're supposed to look and think and feel about things. Because have you noticed that our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings aren't always in line or in accordance with the word? And the problem is, if we look through our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, through what's going on in the world at the Bible, that's how we get to, well, that seems like an old book. Well, God was just trying to keep us from having fun. We know better. But if we'll instead look into the word of God first and then through the word of God into our world, it'll frame things in a different light. But sadly, many Christians today are looking to the word last, which is why we've come to disagreements on what it actually says. Number two, I'm gonna skip another half page. I wanna get to prayer. I wanna teach enough so that you know what we're doing, but number two, we've gotta stand against distraction. It's not just deception, always moves in another area. If he can't get you deceived, he'll settle for you being distracted. <laughs> he continues to build. If he can't get you to quit, he'll settle for you being distracted. I call these sideways energy distractions. They're not necessarily wrong or sinful, but we can so easily lose our focus from what it should be. This is what we read in Proverbs chapter number four, verse 25. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. We go on to read, don't turn to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. Some of you are like, well, pastor, what are some distractions? I'm glad you asked. It's a good thing they asked, Pastor Joe, isn't it? It's a good thing. Let me give you some common distractions. 
Money. Power. Convenience. I'm losing support as I'm reading these distractions. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> Sexual immorality. Get them, God. Convenience. Leave us alone. We like our two-lane drive-through at Chick-fil-A. There's another distraction. Internet, social media, gaming. Here's another distraction. Politics. Now, some of you are already typing out an email. I got too many meetings this week. I ain't got time to read it, so don't send it. But I remind you, none of those things that I just referenced are inherently evil or wrong. Also notice nothing on that list can you really fully avoid. Have you tried to just avoid money for even one day? Some of you are like, I just stayed in my house. How'd you pay for the house? Gotcha. You're like, I didn't pay for it. My dad did. Still money. Politics. I don't even watch the news. That's okay. You live in America. Guess what? It's a part of our life. Convenience. I've never met anybody who's like, you know what? Yeah, let's just go back to no remote controls on the TV. You know, like we just, we like the convenience. All right. These things are part of our normal everyday lives. So it's not that they're wrong or evil. It's just a problem when we become consumed by them. I'm not saying don't utilize those things. I'm not saying don't benefit from them. What I'm saying is we're in trouble if we focus on them, if we become consumed by them, and then all of a sudden we're distracted from what we were supposed to be doing. Which is why we have Christian Americans fighting about our conveniences more than following our convictions that the world needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, I get it. I, I am not in a good spot if I lose Wi-Fi. Don't laugh like you're fine without it. My point is, if everything's cut off, like, is this thing broken? What's going on? I'm too important. Somebody message me, you know. But we get distracted. I think distractions are kind of like bad breath. We all notice it. You're the last one. You're like, I can handle it. We're like, we can't. Get a breath mint. Quit being distracted. I think the enemy's just fine and happy if he can just distract the followers of Jesus from being on mission, looking here, looking there. Pastor Keith Thompson, a good friend of mine, serves up in Little Falls. He recently told me, he said, where you stare, you steer. I'm gonna tell him, he got like four mm's and two amens on that one. I'm gonna tell him this week when I see him, I'm like, Pastor Keith, our church loved it. He's like, what did they do? I said, four people went, mm, that's a big response for upper Minnesota, okay. <laughs> Could it be that we, the church of Jesus Christ, has gotten distracted by things to the right and to the left and it's caused our foot to find evil? We can't fall for the distractions that are all around us. I love special days here and seeing family pictures taken and we, we take them when, you know, we get together with family. My family living in North Carolina, went and saw them after Christmas and we took a picture, but I love seeing it in the lobbies. Have you noticed that every family picture, uh, if there's little kids involved, you need more than just the photographer, you need the distractor. Woohoo! 
Sally, Johnny, over here. And people are like waving their arms, doing silly things. And they're trying to get the kid to look at them so the photographer could take a picture so the parents can lie about how happy their family is to everybody else. Listen, it's true. Don't be offended. I'm just saying, laugh and nobody will think your family has problems, all right? But if you sit there quietly, we're like, oh, they didn't think it was funny. They don't have a lot of problems. Okay, anyway, so I think we're walking in a time where we're going to see a lot of distractions. We're going to see a lot of waving the arms and, oh, look over here, trying to distract us from a photographer, what's really going on. Let me just say to the church of Jesus Christ, those calling celebration, your home, me, your pastor, don't fall for the distraction of the enemy in this season. We got to see what's really going on. We got to know what's really taking place. People are going to be waving their arms and shaking things around. And listen, we got to keep the main thing, the main thing, right? As, as we get distracted and fighting about little things, so much of the world is still waiting to hear about Jesus for the first time. Our society is so challenged with ADHD. And I'm not just talking about the kids in our classes and, and, and pills. I'm saying our society, we go with the news cycle. It's just, we care about something and then we don't. And then we don't care about something. Then we have to act like we did. We just move on. You know, we do it in the church. We, we chase this spiritual wave and this spiritual high and moment. And then we don't care. We just move on to something else. And we're in this constant state. As, as Americans, we're in this constant state of entertain me, show me something. Put, we scroll, we swipe. That video's a bust and we move on to something else. We try it one week and it didn't work. And we're like, well, I guess I'll, I'll swipe the other way. Sometimes we got to stick with it for a little bit longer. We can't afford to have toddler attention spans. Because <laughs> the things of God are not like a spiritual vending machine. Put your dollar in the machine, push E39 and get a bag of Cheetos. Right is right, whether it works for your life this week or not. Distractions. We got to take a stand against distraction by renewing our focus on the things of God and setting aside the things that so easily entangle, Hebrews 12 and 1. Number three, we've got to stand against destruction. It's not just deception, it's not just distraction, it always ends in, results in destruction. I got a few more things to say and then I'm going to give you some examples, Nick, in a minute. I got another verse to read before I get there. Don't jump ahead. I still got three pages left, man. Don't rush to the end. I'm so tired of seeing the enemy wreak havoc in the lives of believers. I've seen the pain of destruction when people have succumbed to deception and distraction. They're suffering the pain of destruction in their lives. Make no mistake about it, friends. The devil is always and only up to no good. Right? John 10, 10 says the thief comes only ill and to destroy. And my notes, I cap, cap underlined it. I highlighted it because some of you are thinking, well, pastor, but what about when? Nope. Only still kill and destroy. Well, but how about if? Nope. Only steal, kill and destroy. 
Yeah, but have you heard about? Nope. Steal, kill, and destroy. Like, nope. Only steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he blessing. There is no goodness. Kill, kill. Let me make it plain to you. I'm gonna get to a list in other ways, but let me just mention it to you this way, friends. And I'll say it as plainly as I can. Pornography is never a blessing to your only steal. Abortion is not in a first world nation. It's only steal, kill, and destroy. And I happen, fixation and addiction with pornography continues to feel. Because as long as we look at images and we think we can swipe, we would think we could destroy that life. It's not really real anyway. We're raising a generation. We're seeing the pain of the end result of destruction, following a path of destruction in many ways. Some of you, Nick, might be seeking to destroy marriage. It's a coin flip doesn't attract and not a covenant. The enemy is trying to destroy, bring destruction to family. We know better. We get, the enemy is seeking the all life. That's why we don't help people in need because we don't really own. That's why we want it because that life is no longer worthy to destroy, to bring destruction to life says there is a way that appears to be right. Ideas here in our nation. We see people and we've got to stand against that path of destruction position as we participate in this all along. Quit as easily as we often do. Listen, friends, successful for a month or a year and nothing happened. Even when he loses a battle, he keeps fighting because he thinks he's... But he war when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again for you to be a sober mind on your own. I can't help you with that. Like, oh, he's the big... Looking for someone to devour. Never duplicate like our lion. Is there anybody ready to take a stand in Jesus' name? Soon. Be the his behalf into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. He's already defeated the devil and will one day soon destroy all the devil's minions and we will live victoriously. Earth is his end for eternity. Stand against those schemes by standing strong in the Lord. As we're studying, read about the Holy Spirit dunamis, be the receptacles of his divine power. You're custom made to hold his power. So when Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord, he's essentially saying, go ahead, receive a supernatural, receive a supernatural strengthening, an internal deposit of power into your inner being. Why? Because God's the giver, we're the receivers. And so we just have to receive his power to stand strong against the enemy's schemes. The apostle Paul knew, and I do too, that we would desperately need supernatural power to successfully combat the attacks the enemy would bring against us. That's why he urges us to open our spirits, our souls, our bodies, so that we can receive this supernatural strength. So many of us, we've lived under this guilt and condemnation and try harder, well-meaning believers and pastors. We said, man, when you're going through cancer, be strong. When your kids are acting up, be strong. You know, Lincoln, when he was younger, 
We used to say, can you show us tough guy? And he would go, I don't know why he did the sound with it. He felt like it made him stronger. I'm not sure. And I think we've been deceived into thinking when your business is failing, be strong. And we go, we're walking into church and all our week's been going through hell. And we're like, we're going to be strong and blessed and highly favored. I'm like, what's wrong with that guy? We're like, I fooled them. No, you didn't. We were never intended to be strong in ourselves. This is why some of you, it's going to be revelation. That's why you came here today and you just feel exhausted. You feel worn out because you've been, you've been trying to pull yourself up. You've been trying to grin and bear. You've been trying to, oh, I just got to try harder. I just, I got to read more. I got to pray longer. I just, I got, I, 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 I. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord. We got to be strong in his mighty power. Why? Because you can't fight a spiritual war with physical strength. Spiritual warfare requires supernatural power. Which the great news for us, friends, is that supernatural power is still a gift for us from God. We don't have to earn it. We don't deserve it. We don't try for it. We just receive it. (laughs) We can stand strong in him. Have the team come out and get ready to play. I gotta read a few more verses to you and then we're gonna pray for you before you leave. In the chapter earlier, Ephesians chapter five, we receive these instructions from the apostle Paul. He says, be very careful then how you live. Not as wise, or not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Can I just pause and say, I, don't, I think the church of Jesus Christ in our nation has a long way to go if we're gonna make the most of every opportunity. I admit to you, I've missed opportunities. I think we as a church have missed opportunities. We've gotta make the most of them, friends. How are we gonna do it? Be strong. You're gonna keep ending up missing opportunities. You're gonna keep ending up feeling worn out, exhausted, broken down. I don't think I can do it. No, you can't. So what's he say? Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, maybe you didn't go to Bible college. I did. Let me help you out. When he says be filled, it was written continuous present tense. So it's bad in English to say be filled with the Spirit. We think, I went to youth camp, winter camp. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I went to prayer gathering. I cried. Somebody laid their hand on me. I heard some words I didn't know. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. We think, oh, I came a Sunday and I had a moment. I remember it. But the understanding there is not have one moment. The understanding is to be continually filled. To be filled on Sunday morning and on Sunday night. Be filled on Monday morning and Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday late in the evening to be continually filled. This ongoing, continual surrender to the Lord. To every day wake up and say, less of me, more of you. Holy Spirit, I need your power today. There's this idea of 
continually being filled. Why? Because I found that in my own life, maybe in yours as well, that my greatest strength has been experienced at my point of greatest surrender. Because the Bible says in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. When I finally admit, God, I can't do this on my own. I never could, but for a while I thought so. When I admit, God, I need your help. He's thinking, I thought you'd never ask to be continually filled. This is why we continually pray. You're like, we got prayer gathering again on Wednesday? Yep. Like, this is why we continually worship. We're learning another new song? Yep. This is why we continually give. This is why we continually gather in Christian community. Why we're gonna be continually filled with the things of God. Because it's so easy to think, I've checked that box, I've done it, I've moved on, and now I'm just gonna live my life. We're not called to live our own lives anymore. We're called to live out the one that he has designed and destined for us. We're living lives fully surrendered to him and receiving his strength so we can stand in these days. So in a moment, we're gonna pray. I'm gonna ask everybody who's spiritually strong, just pray for yourself, (laughs) pray for everybody else. Those that are like, I'm worn out, I'm exhausted. I've been trying to be strong, but today, Pastor, I feel so tired. I feel so weak. I wanna sit down, I wanna take a break. We're gonna pray for you. We're gonna lift your arms before heaven. We're gonna let you know you're not alone. We're gonna pray with the help of the Holy Spirit that you all stand strong in the Lord today. Maybe you're here, you're not right with God. You need to be filled with the love and forgiveness that only Jesus can offer. In a moment, we're gonna pray for you that this is your day, this is your moment, that you're gonna be filled with life that you've never experienced before. Why? Because when God is added to the equation, your problems go from difficult to doable. Not because you figured it out, not because you're, but but it's because of God's help. You can now get free from drugs. With God's help, you can begin to have healthy relationships. With God's help, you can begin to live free from anxiety. With God's help, you can build that business, raise that family, live victoriously with God's help. So I'm gonna ask if you're able, everybody to stand here this morning. I'm gonna ask our pastors or prayer partners to make their way forward. And we're gonna pray for you. As I mentioned, if you're here this morning, you're standing strong in the Lord. I'm counting on you to increase the level of faith in the atmosphere here today, to pray yes for yourself, pray for those around you, pray for those that are feeling a little bit weaker today. If you're here, you say, Pastor, I'm exhausted, I'm worn out. I don't know how much longer I can make it. We're gonna pray for you. In a minute after I pray, the team's gonna begin to sing and we're just gonna ask that you step forward and we're gonna pray in faith for you. But also for those of you that are here today under the sound of my voice watching online, if you're not right with God, but you wanna be forgiven, you need to be filled with life Bible says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come that you may have life and life to the full. We're gonna pray for you as well. That you be forgiven of your sins in these moments, that you'd receive 
the infilling like never before. You're gonna leave this place fully alive instead of dead in your sin. So when you come forward, if that's you, you're like, I need to be forgiven of my sin. I need to be saved. When you come forward, you just tell them your name and your need. My name's Derek. I wanna give my life to Jesus Christ. We're gonna pray for you. If you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're beat down, you come forward and say, my name's Derek. I just need prayer. I need the strength that only the Holy Spirit can give. We're gonna link our faith with yours and we're gonna pray for you today. And man, if you're strong in the Lord today, just increase the level of faith in the atmosphere. Just pray for other people that God would help us through his Holy Spirit that we would all stand strong in the Lord. Because we don't wanna see any of the enemy's plans succeed. So what that means is we're not living this thing on our own. We're living it in community. So it's not enough to say, well, I'm okay, so I guess it's okay. You say, I'm okay, so who can I look for that's not? We're gonna link arms. And we're gonna say, not on our watch. We're not gonna fall for those schemes. We're not gonna let you sit down on your own. We're gonna link together and we're gonna stand strong. We're gonna resist those schemes of the enemy, but we're gonna stand strong in the Lord. Amen. I'm gonna pray and then we'd like to pray for you. You can be dismissed in a little while. I don't think we have a whole lot to do more important than this. <laughs> so we're gonna pray. Father, I'm praying right now in the mighty and strong name of Jesus who conquered death, hell, and the grave who paid a price for each and every one of our sins, but also paid the price so that we can live in total freedom. Holy Spirit, I'm asking, do what only you can do in each of our lives today. Father, for those, firstly, who are not right with you, they need to be forgiven. I pray as they step forward, they're gonna be forgiven in a moment and everything in their life is gonna change. They're gonna be made new and they're gonna walk out of here fully forgiven and totally free in, in Jesus' name. I'm praying also, Father, for those who feel burdened, who feel weighed down. They just, they're not sure how much longer they can fight. They just don't know if they can stand any longer. And I pray that their spirit will be strengthened. Help them to know it's not in their own mind and it's not in their own strength or power, but it's only by your spirit, says the Lord. So today I pray that you bind them up. And then for those of us that are standing strong, we're praying in these days as we continue to step out in faith, expand the territory of our king's kingdom, we come against any attack of the enemy. We pray one for another. We keep on praying so that none of the plans of the enemy are successful in, in our lives and in our under our watch. So Father, today, hear the cries of your people. Today we lift it up in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, would you step out? Before we leave this place, come on. Let's just pray one for another. He wants to do what only he can do. We've been fasting. We've been praying for you. This is your moment. This is your moment. This is your time to receive strength from the Lord so you can stand strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week.